Heavenly Father, I ask that you anoint my lips this morning as I present your message, that what I say may be precise and clear and be readily understood. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I once saw a button, you know these little round buttons that you pin on your, your lapel, that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. Could that be our theology, looking busy? I would rather have a button that says, Jesus is coming, I am busy. Busy going about his business, being ready to meet him. I'd like you to turn to Matthew 25, 14. Um, and I will be, you, you might want to keep that, uh, put a bookmark there because we'll be referring to Matthew uh, a few times during this presentation. Matthew 25, 14. The previous chapter talks about the signs of the end of time. The previous parables warn us to be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the parable found in Matthew 25, 14 to 30 actually tells us how to be ready. Beginning with verse 14. <coughs> For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. When you entrust something to another individual, that person becomes a steward. The ninth volume of the testimonies states, a servant, a steward identifies himself with his master. He accepts the responsibilities of a steward and he must act in his master's stead doing as his master would, as if his master were presiding. His master's interests become his. The position of a steward is one of dignity because his master trusts him. In a book that I just finished reading, Beyond Blessings by, by John Matthew. Perhaps some of you know that author. He describes stewardship as follows. Since God is the owner of everything there is, he calls us to be faithful stewards of his environment, his people, his message, and his resources. A practical definition of stewardship is the is a total surrender of all that we have to the king. In order to become faithful stewards of the owner and master of the universe, we must first learn the principles of giving. As stewards, we are called to surrender our energy, our intellect, our emotions, our time, and our money to God. That's easy to say, but it is, it is incredibly hard to accomplish. Now let's get back to Matthew 25 and look at verse 15. 
And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. Notice the master did not expect the same from each servant or steward. He gave to each according to his or her ability. God doesn't expect the same results from everyone. Christians have varying levels of, of abilities. However, it is not the amount of the person's ability that is evaluated in the judgment, but whether he or she has put to use the full ranges of abilities that God has given them. People are not equal in ability but they can be equal in effort. God expects good interest on his investments from each one of us. Well, you may, you may ask, what are stewards made of? You know, church, I, I, I've heard people um, groan when they hear that someone's going to talk about stewardship um, because there is a mess a misconception about stewardship. Many think that it simply means that we're out to get your money. Well, how we use our money in giving of tithes, tithes and offerings is certainly part of being a good steward. However, there is just there is more to stewardship than just our finances. You know, while speaking of money, I just want to pause for a moment and take this opportunity to congratulate all of you who gave so faithfully to the renovation fund. Because of your faithfulness, uh, we now have a beautiful new kitchen at our disposal. And it's thanks to all of you. I just mentioned a moment ago, moment ago that we are stewards of far more than our money. We are stewards of everything because nothing was ours to begin with. It, it has all been handed to us. When was the last time you saw a luggage rack in a delivery room? We bring nothing into this world and when was the last time you saw a horse pulling a U-Haul? We bring nothing, we take nothing with us out of this world. The pharaohs of Egypt ex experienced that, didn't they? They tried to take everything with them only to have the pyramids plundered by thieves. We have been made stewards of the totality of our lives here on earth. Ellen White sums up the, the blessings of stewardship in her writings, Councils on Stewardship, very beautifully as follows. In commissioning his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Christ's assignment to men, the work of extending the knowledge of his grace. But while some go forth to preach, he calls upon others 
to answer his claims upon them for offerings with which to support his cause in this earth. He has placed means in the hands of men that his divine gifts may, be, may flow through human channels in doing the work appointed us in saving our fellow men. This is God's way of exalting men. It is just the work that man needs, for it will stir the deepest sympathies of the heart and call into existence the highest capabilities of the mind. God is not dependent upon man for the advancement of his cause. He, he, may, he might have made angels the ambassadors of his truth as he proclaimed the law from Sinai with his own voice. But in order to cultivate a spirit of benevolence in us, he has chosen man to do his work. He has chosen men and women to do his work. Every act of self-sacrifice for the good of others with strength in the spirit of beneficence in the giver's heart, allowing him more closely to the redeemer of the world who was rich, yet for our sake became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. And it is only as we fulfill the divine purpose of our creation that life can be a blessing to all of us. All the, goods, all the good gifts of God to man will prove only a curse unless he employs them to bless his fellow men, man and for the advancement of God's cause here on earth. That was an excerpt from the Review and Herald dated December 7th, 1886. Every good thing of earth was placed here by the bounty the bountiful hand of God as an expression of his love to man. The poor are his, and the cause of religion is his. The gold and silver are the Lord's, and he could rain them from heaven if he choose. But instead of this, he has made man his steward, entrusting him with means not to be hoarded, but to be used in the benefiting of others. He thus makes man the medium through which to distribute his blessings here on earth. God planned the system of benef beneficence in order that man may become like his creator, benevolent and unselfish in character, and finally be a partaker with Christ of the, of the eternal glorious reward. This is the way that it was intended from the very beginning. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. God spends seven days creating this world, and the first thing he does is to entrust it to someone else. Let's look at Genesis 1, 28 to 30 specifically. And it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, 
and every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I will give you every herb that yields seed, which is on, which is on all the face of the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for you food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every herb for food, and it was so. Let's go also to 2.15 It said, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Church, look at the shape the world is in today. It has appeared, it would appear that we have not been very good stewards. Not only were we to be stewards of this earth, we were to take care of ourselves and we have just read what God intended for us to eat. We've come a long way from that original diet. We have greatly decreased from the great stature of Adam and Eve, but have increased in other directions. We are still stewards of our bodies, or should I say, God's dwelling place. We're also stewards of the gift of the Spirit, Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, 4 to 11. There are different kinds of spirits. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. What are you doing with the gift of the Spirit that God has given you? And what have I done? In the near future, our church will receive new spiritual gifts in those who are about to be baptized. As there are many who are preparing for baptism as I speak, they may not know what gift is they may not know what that gift is yet, but they need to find out so that they can be good stewards of that gift. Do you know what spiritual gifts that you have been given? What talents and abilities has God given to you? Are you using them to edify your church? Are you cultivating your talents? Or are we just sitting on them in silence? Are you misusing them to bring glory to, to self? You are stewards of God gifts. 
What are we doing with them? Yes, stewardship does include our money. Many places in scripture can be found to illustrate financial stewardship. We'll just look at one today. Turn with me to Mark 12. And this is a beautiful story. Here we find Jesus in the temple after a rough day of dealing with various religio-political special interest groups. Look at Mark 2, I'm sorry, Mark 12, 41. Jesus sat down opposite, opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into a temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money. Here we find Jesus sitting watching people. You know, I can only relate to that by me sitting on a bench in a shopping, in a shopping center watching people shop. Those benches were made for men, I'm sure. We don't have the fortitude needed to shop, at least I don't. The phrase shop into your drop means that men will drop sooner than women. I've watched women carrying a baby in each arm and a stroller full of shopping bags looking full of life. Well, I feel like taking a nap on that bench where I'm sitting. Well, Jesus is resting on a bench in the temple watching the people give their offerings. There was no collection plate. There were, 12, there were large boxes, 13 in number, with funnels for dropping in the coins. And no privacy given was there. Verse 42 says, and this is quite beautiful, I think. But one poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth a fraction of a penny. Picture the scene of all of these wealthy people giving vast amounts of money into the church treasury while this humble, almost non-member of society sneaks up to deposit the last of her goods in the coffers. She thought that she was insignificant, but Jesus always notices. Verse 43 and 44 says, Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything that she had to live on. She could have easily not given anything, and no one would have even noticed or cared but she gave out of gratitude and her love for God. She knew that she was nothing without God. She even knew that the church was corrupt because Jesus had just cleared the temple of money changers shortly before and the story had been widely told. But she knew that God wanted her, wanted her to experience the blessing of giving. She gave everything she had. She showed a total trust in God to sustain her. As I was preparing this presentation, I, I, I came across a, another excerpt telling of a pastor who, whose church was not faithful 
for their giving, for tithing giving. After much frustration with the situation, he offered a rather unorthodox proposal to his church at large. He told his congregation that if they would give a tithe for one year, the money would be kept in a special account and not sent into the conference and not used in any way. If at the end of the year, anyone felt that they had been hurt by this kind of giving, a full refund would be made. Now this is pretty unorthodox, isn't it? Most of the congregation undoubtedly took him up on his offer. At the end of the year, no one asked for their money back. Instead, they were praising God from whom all blessings flowed. The church had experienced a very important revival in giving. Now what about time? Are you and am I good stewards of our time? You know, each of us should keep an account of our time over a certain period of time. Well, saying two or three months. I fear that many of us would, we wouldn't like the results. Let's look at Luke 10. This is a story of the Good Samaritan. And I'm sure most of us know this story quite well. Luke 10.30 says, In reply, Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and left him half dead. Now by chance, a priest came down that road, and he saw him, and he passed on the other side. This story bothers me. A priest, a pastor perhaps, leaves him, leaves him lying there. I have to wonder why. Was he busy doing so good that he couldn't do good? Are we too busy to help people in need? I thought of this a few weeks ago when I was rushing to the church along highway number two and I saw a car on the opposite side of the road and a man standing by the car with the hood open. <laughs> you know, I, I should have stopped, but I was too busy rushing to the church to meet someone here in connection with the kitchen renovation. Perhaps I could have been of service to that individual. Are we so caught up in schedules and deadlines and our own agendas that we don't have time to reach out to others? Where are our priorities? What did God give us time for? Well, I must admit, I'm not the best organizer of time. However, we seem to be, be busy. Another thing that God has made of Stuart stewards of can be found in Matthew 28. In fact, everything that we have talked about so far has been to support this next point. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There was a story of a young man who was a tour guide while attending the, Bible, the Moody Bible Institute. Someone asked him during a tour, why did you come here to school? To which he answered, I wish to be a pilot so that I can get a call to fly in the mission field and teach others about God. Another friend followed with this question, what if you didn't get a call? What would you do then? To which the guide answered, I would get a job in order to make enough money to sponsor someone else to be a missionary. You have to admire this man. He had the right attitude, didn't he? He had the right attitude of stewardship and of being a good steward. Well, you know, <laughs> you might wonder whether this young man is in the mission field today. Well, the answer is yes, he is. Whether he is in a, in a, in a foreign land or sitting at a desk in Belleville, he is a missionary. Are we as dedicated to spreading the gospel as he was. This man has the theology of a stewardship, of stewardship down pat. His life goal was to support the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. In another article in the Review and Herald article um, dated 1840, Alan White states, Every man of whatever trade or profession should make the cause of God his first interest. He should not only exercise his talents to advance the Lord's work, but should cultivate his ability to this end. Now let's go back to where we started in Matthew 25. I sort of got off track there, didn't I? But there's a point here. And let's continue with verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went out and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the man with two talents gained two more talents. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. To hide your money in a hole in the ground was not uncommon in those days. It gave a sense of security if you could only remember where you buried it. Verse 19 to 21. It says, After a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with so many things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Notice that the reward uh, is not a raise or a big pension. Rather, he is given even more responsibility. I will put you in charge of many things. Verse 22 and 27 says, the man with the two, two talents also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two talents. See how I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man that had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should, should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. The lesson is pretty clear, isn't it? Readiness for the return of Christ does not mean pass, passively waiting for the event. Rather, readiness is responsible activity that produces results for the kingdom of heaven. Well, let's go to verse 28 and 29. Take the talent from him and give it to someone who has ten talents. For everyone who has, who has, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even that he has, will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The message is very clear. If you don't use it, you lose it, don't you? It may be now or when he comes, but those that are not faithful stewards of what God has given them will lose it to someone else. It's a choice that we all make, isn't it? And it's a debt that we all owe, a debt of love. God's grace comes in our time and into our tired, sinful, and broken lives. He doesn't always shape life into our liking, cure all, our, all of our cancers, transform all of our children into winners, or send us soaring into upper regions of success and affluence. But his grace always enables, enables us to look life squarely in the face in spite of what we may, out, may see. He makes us capable of praising him and thanking him if we choose. How can we ever pay it all back that God has done for us? We can't. We simply can't. But we are committed to pay it on, on it for as long as we live by the way we live. 
It is simply one of the ways we choose to express our personal gratitude. We should never forget that we are placed on trial in this world to determine our fitness for the future life. No one can enter heaven whose characters are defiled by the foul blot of selfishness. Therefore, God tests us here by committing us to temporal possessions that our use of these may show whether we can be trusted with eternal riches. My brothers and sisters, please remember that stewardship is a lifestyle of one who has a living relationship with Jesus Christ, accepts his lordship, walks with God, and works in partnership with him, acting as his agent to manage his affairs for the kingdom's purpose. Let us give while we have the power. Let us do while we have the strength. Let us work while it is day. Let us devote our time and our means to the service of God that we may have his approbation and receive his reward. I want to close with a, a Bible text that we all know and is near and dear to us, found in Matthew 15, 5. And repeat it with me. Let your light show punch so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Church, I believe that the Master is about to come back from his journey. Will we be found more faithful than the stewards were before his first coming? Amen.